that as you hear this, that this would instill in you a desire to have a relationship with Jesus. Because how many know that when you have a relationship with Jesus, your life changes? I know what it feels like to feel stuck in life and feel like I can never change and never be a different person or have things in my life that I don't like, but I am powerless to change them. How many know God can do what you can't do? And when you give your life to Jesus, there's a tremendous change that takes place. Or you may be listening today, you may be here or sometime in the future, and you're a new believer. So, you know, this this series will help you understand the phases of growth that you can look forward to in your life. And how many know it's important for us not to compare ourselves with each other? Would you agree with that? So, you know, uh, there's a lot of comparison going on today. People get on Facebook and say, well, so-and-so's doing that, and they got that, and they got that. Well, what about me? Forget all that stuff. All that does is discourage you. But you know what? If you can compare yourself to Jesus and let him be the person that you esteem to be like, how many know you you can see growth in your life? So you may be a new believer or you may be listening and maybe you've been a believer for five years or 10 years or, or 15 or 20 years. Now this will let you know, am I growing or has, I, or has my spiritual growth stymied and have I become stale in my walk with God? Or, you know, it's really possible uh, to be in God and, and, and maybe known the Lord for 15 to 20 years and still be an infant. Now, that's a sad thing, and, and you know, our hearts go out when we, we see someone who, who maybe has a child, and the, the child has stunted growth, the development's hindered because of a physical malady, a physical problem. You know, your heart just goes out to a, to a child that's 6, 7, 8, 10 years old who's still acting, acting like a 2-year-old or a 1-year-old. How many know your heart goes out to that? And you know, you know, physically, there's something going on there, right? Did you know spiritually the same kind of thing happened? Whoa, it gets quiet, right? So, uh, so we want to talk about that and talk about how we can grow. And so I just want to give you first to start with a case for spiritual growth. You may want to turn in your Bible and watch on with the screen to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's just talk a little bit about spiritual growth and, uh, and the importance of it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to a large church in modern-day Turkey. Uh, to a, uh, to a believers in a city called Ephesus. And he said in verse 8, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so he's talking about the Lord Jesus. When Jesus went to heaven, he gave gifts and placed, placed abilities in the body of Christ for certain people to do certain things. He explains it in verse 11. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, And then some pastors and teachers, and this is frequently referred to as ministry offices in the body of Christ. And these are people whom God has anointed by the Holy Spirit, and they have beyond normal ability to do certain things. An apostolic ministry is an overseeing ministry, and that's a person... Uh, that's a person that is called by God to do a specific thing, often to, uh, to plant churches in unreached areas. Apostles, prophets, uh, Festus Soha was with us last week. He has a prophetic ministry. He touches that realm that we can't see and, or often feel, the realm where God is and brings that to us. And it was power. How many enjoyed last Sunday? So uh, we have prophets and then evangelists. An evangelist is a person that bears good news, good tidings, and that's a person that, that preaches the good news. We call the good news gospel. Gospel means good news and, and just preaches that Jesus can set you free to people that don't know him. And that's a person who has an evangelistic ministry. Uh, Billy Graham was a, a consummate evangelist who just went to heaven this year. And what a tremendous ministry. And then he says pastors and teachers. Now, that's the office that I feel. First of all, I became a teacher many years ago. That is 
is, I couldn't talk my way out of a wet paper bag. If you knew me when I was a child, I was introverted. Uh, my, my biggest fear, as most people in public, their, their biggest fear is public speaking. Uh, I would get sick and throw up during my college years, during the times that we had our speaking courses, because I didn't want to do that. But one day in the early 1980s, something came on me, and it was an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And as I yielded to it, it, it turned into a teaching ministry. It started small, and here we are today. So uh, I have the gift of teacher in the body of Christ, and that's a supernatural anointing from the Holy Spirit, where the word just flows. And when I start opening my mouth now, I'm surprised as you. I was like, what in the world? You know, but it's a gift. And then the pastoral ministry, I uh, became a pastor in 1988. And God really placed in my heart the yearning and desire to love people and to help them spiritually. So Jesus gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why did he do it? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. How long till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or mature man or woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. Now watch that. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. I'll stop right there and let's go back up to verse 12, make a few comments about these verses because these verses really talk about us growing spiritually and to grow spiritually. How many know if you want to grow spiritually, it's important that we be a part of a local church. And I, I didn't plan to say this, but I feel the spirit of God. It's that gift kicking in. I just can't encourage you enough. We're living in a day that if you want to, you can do church in your living room or you can do church sitting in bed, drinking a cup of coffee on your nightstand, right? Because you can watch it on now, you know, we've made it really easy. We've got people all over the place, several hundred that watch us online. Maybe more that watch us online that are actually in the room today. And that's okay with me, except the problem is today, if you're not attached to a local church and you're not in fellowship with a local church, you know, how many know we need that atmosphere of fellowship and we also need the ministry anointing of the pastor slash teacher. Any pastor who's a real God-called pastor should also be a teacher. How many hear that? So we need to submit that there was a key. And somebody said, well, can I get that on Facebook? Can I find that online? Well, yeah, you can find a lot of great teaching, but you need somebody that can help mentor you, minister to you, and keep us in line. There's a lot of weird stuff out today. You need the discernment to be able to discern between the right and the wrong, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. And how many know the truth will minister life to you every time? So we need the local church. How many hear that? So he says, why did he place these ministry offices? Why are we here? Why am I a pastor teaching the word? He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. A lot of people have the idea that, you know, we hire pastors and church staffs and they do the work of the ministry. That's simply not the way it works. No, we're here. My goal is to equip you and my job as pastor, how many know is to equip you and help you grow so that, that the real ministries, not in here, the real ministries out there where the people are that don't know Jesus. Is that right? Where people need to be healed, where the people need to be ministered to, people need to be encouraged. I'm not the person that's going to do all of that. I have a role, but the big role happens when you leave here and you just don't hear what is said, but you put it into practice. How many know we need to be doing that? We got a lot of hearers today, but my question is how many doers do we have? 
And here's what I found out as a young man in the Lord. I was 17 when I came to Jesus in my uh, uh, late teens. And I've told you that story plenty of times. But I just made a decision. It was so life-changing going from drug addiction to all the mess that that goes along with that into giving my life to Jesus. uh, And really for the first time in my life feeling free. How many have experienced what it really feels like to be free inside? Those whom the Son has set free are free indeed. And, and you know, once you experience that freedom, it's like, I, I got to have more of that. And so, you know, I made a decision when I first came to the Lord that, that if I find it in the Bible, I, I made a decision, number one, that I was going to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. How many have made that decision today? Uh, I don't see very many hands. How many believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God? So that's a big problem in our culture today, and our culture is losing ground, and we're, we're really mixing up in a bad way, in a negative way, and a lot of negative things are happening because we, we've taken the Bible out of school. We've taken the Bible out of public, uh, public events. We've saying, we say the Bible is an old, archaic book. It's not relevant for today. Nothing could be further from the truth. How could something be irrelevant and, and who is, that is actually inspired by the God that created everything that we know, including you and me, and the God that caused your heart to beat and the God that gives you the ability to breathe breath and to think thoughts. How many know that God inspired this book? Now, I believe that. The Bible itself says it's inspired. If you believe that and if you do something with its contents, I tell you, you can't stay the way you are. That's the issue. And people who don't grow, who remain the same, those are people who don't believe what I just said. Because of that, there's no life application to the word that is being preached and ministered to or the word being read. I know people that read their Bible every day. Listen, I've gone to prison and ministered to guys and they could quote more of the Bible sometimes than I could, but they weren't putting it into practice. And they were bound in their life. So I made a decision when I was a young man, young man I wasn't just going to hear it. I was going to put it into practice. He says here for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints are to do the work of the ministry. And then for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm here to build you up, lift you up. This is kind of like a gas station. You know, if you're going on a, if you're going on a, a, a thousand mile trip where you go to the gas station and you gas up your car, you check your tires, or you check your oil, you make sure everything's working right. You lift the hood maybe and, and make sure the belts are tight. Everything's looking good. There's no leaks. Everything's going good because you want to get prepared well this is like a gas station this is like a a place that you go before you really get involved in a in a trip of ministering life to other people this this is a place that builds you up how many know we need that so he says for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we how long till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god uh, to a perfect man or mature man or woman to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So my goal uh, for you, and this is my prayer for you just about every day, that we grow spiritually and that we grow up in Christ and that we become solid in our relationship with Jesus so that regardless of what life tosses you, you're ready for it. And you're living from the inside, not from the outside. In American culture today, how many know we've got a lot of empty people with a lot of empty heads doing a lot of empty things. And they're trying to do things that satisfy themselves and they can never be satisfied because sin can never satisfy the human heart. The human heart is only satisfied in relationship with its creator God. And when you have a relationship with him and you come to know him through his word, it fills you up 
And when you live life in fullness, it changes how you work. It changes the husband that you are, the wife that you are. changes how you parent. It changes what kind of friend you are, what kind of friends you have, how you talk to people, how you deal with adversity, and how you live your life. And how many know that's the goal God has for every one of us? How many would agree with that? And that's, that should happen lifelong. He wants us to grow up to a mature person. And, and this is it, not to measure ourselves with everybody else, but to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? He wants every area of our character to act and look and think and speak like Jesus did. Is that right? So, so what if I live my life in a way that I'm thinking now, now what would Jesus do if he was confronted with this? And how would Jesus deal with this problem? What would Jesus say to this person? How would Jesus, if he was married, treat his spouse? How would Jesus respond to the children doing this or that? What would Jesus do on the job situation when this is presented? How many know that's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? How many know that's growing spiritually? How many get it? So then he says, verse 14, that we should be no longer children. Now, that'll tell you there's, there's phases to spiritual growth, that there be no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The New Living Translation makes it much clearer. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Hmm. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Now, you know, we're living in a really interesting day today. Truth has become relative to situation. Now situational ethics are in play in our culture so that regardless of where a person is, particularly you see it in the political arena, we see it, you know, as, as we're looking at politics and all that. Now the order of the day is to say what needs to be said to give you an eventual end. If you want something, say what it, truth or lie, falsehood, reality or not, say what you need to say to get what you want. How many know that's called wrong? No, there is truth and we're supposed to be people of the truth, and, and you know, if we're not careful, what happens in our culture will filter into our, in our daily life, and instead of living lives of reality, being honest with the people around us, wait, we start saying things that we know people want to hear so we can kind of keep things on the calm, but how many know that God wants us to live real relationships? He wants us to be honest. In fact, as a Christian, I should never, ever lie. Yes or no? Now, when I was an unbeliever, I used to lie all the time to get my way, to hide what I was doing, you know, to keep from getting in trouble, particularly when I was a kid, you know. You know what I found out? Lying's wrong. Once I came to Jesus, the Holy Spirit would correct me, say, you shouldn't say that. Don't exaggerate that. You know, don't, don't embellish what you're saying. Speak truth. Say what's real. If you can't say what's real, don't say it. Say, be honest, right? And so he says here in, uh, in verse 14, uh, that we won't be blown about by every wind of new teaching, won't be influenced when people try to trick us. It's amazing to me. See, if you'll get the Word of God inside of you, you know what happens? The Word is a truth detector. Did you know that? And whether you're on the job, whether you're, you're meeting a new friend, and uh, you know what I found out now? People put all kinds of fronts on. Have you noticed that? 
A person can be whatever they want to be and they can say anything they want to say to you when you first meet them. But how many know when you know Jesus and you have the truth detector on the inside, you'll know on the inside something's just not quite right with this. Now, you know, when you're a younger person, you need to be real. How many know you need to be, when you're an older person too, you need to be careful with your relationships. How many hear me? Make sure you don't relate to people closely who have ulterior motives. There's some people that you can relate to. They seem nice as pudding, but they want to steal everything you got. Yes or no? Huh? Girls, you need to be careful. That boy tells you all the right things, tells you how beautiful you are, how good you smell. You're the finest thing he's ever seen. You need to be careful with that. He might have another motive, right? Same, same way, guys, this girl says, man, you're the hottest guy I've ever seen. I mean, blah, blah, blah. You're so macho. Look at you. Man, you're so, you're so, you're just right. Well, you might be careful. She might have something else in mind. How many hear me? So, you know, we need to be able to hear the truth. And so we need to be mature, not like children who don't really know the difference between right and wrong. They have to be taught. We don't want to be blown around. My goal for you is that you'll be able to easily to discern the false from the real. You know, over the years, uh, I've been here 24 years this month, and it's amazing to me how, peop- how many people in our church, I've noticed they come and hear but see, they don't put it into practice what they hear. And then they get distracted. God could give you all kinds of stories. I had a couple a few years ago. And they got to listening to things on the internet, listening to other ministries. I think that's fine. But you need to use discernment. How many know the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he knows the truth? And if you'll just listen to the monitor on the inside, when you're listening to someone, you'll know if there's something just a little bit off or if what they're speaking is truth. And I learned a long time ago that I can listen to the monitor inside of me called the Holy Spirit. Even when I was a new believer, you know what I found out? I would be reading a book. I would be listening to a person. We didn't have the internet back when I was 17, 18. But you know what? I did have the Holy Spirit. And when I would listen to a speaker, when I read a book, when I was influenced by someone... I had something on the inside and there would be times that I was reading a book and I knew full well inside there's something not gelling inside with what I'm reading. It sounds right. It sounds logical. It sounds like it's good, but there was something wrong with it. And you know, there was enough poison in what was being said that had I kept reading what I was reading, it would have gotten me off spiritually and I may not be here today. How many know we need the wisdom and we need the discernment of the Word of God and we need to grow? That comes by growing. How many hear me? And uh, it's just amazing. Several years ago, we had, we had some people, uh, uh, we had a couple in our church. I remember this thing. I can tell you where they used to sit. And uh, they got this teaching on tithing, that tithing is wrong. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. What? That's what I said. What? And, you know, they started telling me this and that and the other. And I knew full well they got a hold of some teaching on the Internet. And I said, you know what? There's nothing in Scripture that says tithing, tithing is wrong. And I gave them a capsule. I could give them an hour. I gave them about a two, two, couple of minutes. But they wouldn't listen because they decided that. They liked that better than this. And they left. Now, you know, I, don't, I hope they're walking with God today. I'm just telling you, once you get, it, you get into something that's false, it just keeps leading you that direction. How many hear what I'm saying? You know, an airplane, you know, it's got an automatic pilot on it. And if it's just a, 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 a point zero zero whatever percent off, if you're going on a 2,000-mile trip, how many know you won't make destination? How many know we need to hear the word and know the truth and have discernment? How many hear me? 
How many believe that's important? We had some years ago, this, uh, this grace movement broke out in the body of Christ. And, uh, and they, I'm just going to say it, hey, just as well. Saying that grace supersedes everything and, and everything you do is already covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So now behavior and character makes no difference. The grace of God covers everything you do. Once you make Jesus Lord, you're going to heaven no matter how you live. There is nothing in the Bible that says that. Now see, just saying that, people get upset with me, but I have to speak truth. And I actually have people sit down and give me some, a cotton, a, a spit bath because of how I preach and how I teach. And, you know, even to the point that when I pray for people, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there was a teaching some years ago that said you never need to confess your sin. How many know that's baloney? How many know that's spam? Literally and figuratively. That's wrong, my friends. That's wrong. No, no, no. If you're walking with God, you need to keep it real with Jesus. How many know sin can separate you from the Father? That doesn't do away with the grace of God. That enacts the grace of God when we're honest with him about our lives. How many know he is faithful and righteous when we're honest about ourselves and we live a lifestyle of repentance? How many hear that? But you know, people get into all kinds of stuff. So again, my goal is that you grow spiritually so that we don't get sidetracked and sidelined. Then notice verse 15, he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. So what causes us to grow spiritually? Hearing the word of God spoken in love. How many heard that? First Peter, uh, it's the truth that causes us to grow, but only if we put it into practice. First Peter, Peter said this, therefore laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. He's talking to believers when he was saying that. He said, put away known sin in your life. Get yourself right, live a lifestyle of repentance. And then he said, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. What causes you to grow? The Word. The Word. When I'm a new believer, the Word's like me drinking a bottle of milk spiritually. When I feed on the Word, it helps me grow. It grow I grow in discernment. I grow in my knowledge of Jesus. I grow in my relationship with Him. I grow in my ability to say no to the desires of the flesh. No to the culture around me when I know the culture around me is going the wrong way. If you don't grow, that stuff will move you and move you away from God. How many to hear me. Yeah. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. So the word of God is food. Jesus said, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I found this out as a young believer in my teens. I found out if I would treat the Bible uh, as though it was spiritual food. You know, I just had two eggs for breakfast this morning. I make two eggs usually in the morning and maybe a little bit of grits or whatever. But I had that this morning I know, because I know there's some good stuff in those eggs for me, right? So, you know, w what food is to my physical body, the Word of God is to me spiritually. And sometimes when I'm reading my Bible, I say, God, I'm just going to get some spiritual food. 
Because the word, if you have the idea when you read it, Lord, if there's something I'm not doing that I should do, I'm making a change. If there's something I'm doing that I need to stop, I'm willing to make a change. If there's an attitude I need to change, Lord, I'm I'm willing for you to deal with me. As I'm reading, Father, this is how I read the word. Lord, as I'm reading, if there's something I'm not doing, I'm willing to stop right then, repent and say, Father, make that a part of my life. I'm going to know if you read the word that way, it becomes spiritual food and you will grow. Do you know a lot of people do? They just read and they don't plan on doing anything with what they read. They like what they're doing. They like their lifestyle. They like their habits right or wrong. They're entrenched in those things. But if you'll read the word with the idea, Father, I'm out to obey you. I'm out not just to hear, but to practice what I hear. How many know you change? Is that okay? Which leads me to the next thing. Growth means change. Everybody say it. Growth means change. Now, now what can I get from that? If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. Right? Susan and I have four children. Now we have four grandchildren. And we've watched, and you have children, perhaps grandchildren. You've watched your children grow from being able to do nothing for themselves to as they grow in age, they become responsible, right? So, so you, you, you welcome that change. And it's really sad. See, spiritual things and natural things parallel, we're going to see in a minute. And what happens naturally also happens spiritually. Also with spiritual growth, as there's change with natural growth, with the maturation process, so there's change spiritually as we grow. And if I never change how I live, I have to ask myself, am I growing? And if I'm not growing, where's my relationship with God, right? I'm, how many, I'm serious about it. You hear me talk about this all the time. I, I gauge myself regularly. Am I farther along with God now than I was last week, last month, last year? If I'm not, I need to hit my face, say, God, what do I need to change, Right? I may have become, we'll see in a minute, may have become dull. Anything healthy is growing and changing. Growth means change. If you're not growing, you're not, if you're not changing, you're not growing, right? So, so, so natural things and spiritual things often parallel. So I just want to take you through this in the Word for just a minute. Uh, naturally or spiritually, once you're born... You start growing. You know, my little granddaughter, four months old, you know, now she's very alert, very, I mean, when she was first born, all she was thinking is, wah, give me something to eat. Wah, change my diaper. Wah, put me to sleep. And now she's cognizant of her surroundings. She's recognizing our faces, her personalities starting to come out. And that's just at four months. And that's a lot of fun, right? Well, spiritually, the same kind of things happen once we're born spiritually We should be changing from that point and always accelerating forward. Right or wrong? Jesus said this, and I want to read this, John 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. So here's a man who was supposed to be a spiritual man in his day in the first century Jewish society. And, and, you know, he was one of the elite uh, spiritual Jews. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, teacher, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous sign are evident that God is with you, evidence that God's with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again. Now that threw him right there. You cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. 
How can an old man, he was old, uh, go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, <laughs> no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Water speaks of natural birth. Spirit speaks of spiritual birth. And so Jesus went on to say, humans can repeat reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants. You can't hear you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So so Jesus said there's a natural birth, there's a spiritual birth, and he paralleled natural birth with spiritual birth. And as we go on through the scriptures, Peter who was one of Jesus' disciples, said this, 1 Peter 1, 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God that lives and abides forever. And then he says, because all flesh is as grass, the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away. The word of the Lord endures forever. Message paraphrase makes that real clear. Listen to this. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. That's why the prophet said the old life is a grass life. Its beauty as short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers droop. God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. So there's a natural life, there's a spiritual life, and just as we're constantly, how many know there's no one day of your life that you're ever the same physically, yes or no? You're always going, I'm, you know, I'm a geek, and I got all these apps on my phone, and I've got this one app on my phone that tells me the milliseconds of my age. So now I could, I could open it up right now, and I'm 60.00012, blah, 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 you know. Uh, but uh, so, so, and it reminds me that I'm constantly aging, constantly growing, constantly changing. Yes. Now, spiritually, it ought to be exactly the same way. How many would agree with that? If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. And this is a big concern for me as a pastor when I don't see people mature, grow, and change. That changing means you respond differently to people to problems, to circumstances. You view, view yourself differently than you did last week, last month, last year. Things are changing, right? Right? So ask yourself, am I responding differently? Do I act differently? Do I treat people differently? Do I think about myself differently? How many hear what I'm saying? If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. So we should be changing how we see ourselves instead of seeing ourselves depressed, forlorn, forsaken, abused, hurt, etc. We learn to see ourselves uh, as a person who knows that, that they're loved, they're freed, they're, they're cared for, they're favored, they're blessed, they're independent in God. How many know that's a big deal? For me, coming from my past life in drugs and all that stuff, knowing that I'm a free person, knowing that as far as God's concerned, I don't have a past. How many know that's a big deal? And we need to see yourself. If you still see yourself as that person that was hurt by this person, that person raised the wrong way, raised by, by an inept family, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, if that's all you can see about your life, you are not growing. 
Now, now, that sounds harsh, but listen, you know what? When you start growing in God, he allows you and helps you lay those things aside. When I first, listen, when I first came to Jesus, I had, I had some, some, some crying sessions that were deep. And I didn't even know what was happening. But you know what God was doing? He was disconnecting me from all of the, all of the mess from my past. He was disconnecting me from the abuse of my past, abuse from my friends, you know, wrong thinking, wrong believing about myself, wrong thinking about others. He was, he was loosening me. And I would I have times I would open my Bible and often I would get the Amplified New Testament. And when I, I would go to the epistles, the epistles are letters written to the churches. And you know what? I would begin to read them. And you know what? I, don't, I didn't even know what was happening, but all I can tell you, and I've, I've said this many times, but it was like my insides were hard as wax, like candle wax. And it's like when I read, it's something turned on inside and I became warm inside. And the wax began to melt. God began to melt me on the inside. You ever had that proverbial knot in your throat, the emotion? I used, I used to have that all the time before I came to Jesus. When I started getting in the word of God, I began to weep and cry. I say, God, why am I crying? What's going on in me? And I saw and I felt like he was disconnecting me from the identity that I had before I knew Jesus into a new identity. You know what? God can make a new you out of you if you let him. How many hear me? But it takes an application of truth. Got to be willing to grow. Got to be willing to change. You know, I've met people who are so identified with the old them, they're not willing to let it go because they're afraid they'll lose themselves. And their whole identity is, is, in, is in mess. And all they talk about is mess and stuff and they don't realize that if you'll just let go of that old identity and you become, begin to see who you are in Jesus, you will change, you will grow and you will get free. Some people are comfort, so comfortable in dysfunction they refuse to let it go. That's like hanging on to a dead person. How many don't want to do that? So we should be changing. Natural growth and spiritual growth parallel each other again Susan and I have four grown children my youngest now is 26 my oldest is 34 we got a couple in between there but uh, you know as we were our children were growing we had two goals for our children we wanted to raise number one conscience driven children who do the right thing because it's the right thing to do and they're conscious of God that's our first goal our second goal was well we want to raise um Children that are good citizens, that are self-sufficient, not dependent on anybody else to do anything for them. And I see when I say that, everybody goes, huh, really? Really? Not dependent? No, no, no. Self-sufficient. Everybody say self-sufficient. How about God-sufficient? I'm telling you, when we raised our kids, we taught them, put your own britches on, son. Eventually, you know what? Go wash your clothes. You're going to be on your own one day, right? Huh? Make your own bed. You know, get your own stuff. My kids had to buy their own car. I didn't buy one of my kids a car. They had to buy it. Why? They had to pay their insurance. They had to do it. Some of them go, oh, wow. Why? They have to learn to be responsibility. If they don't learn responsibility before they leave my house, how are they ever going to be responsible after they leave? How many know spiritually it's the same way? A lot of people are hanging on, wanting everybody to do things for them. I ask pastor, there'll come a day I can't do it for you. There'll come a day I can't pray like I used to pray for you and get answers. Because God's saying you need to stand on your own two spiritual feet. How many hear what I'm saying? There'll be a day that you need to deal with your relational problems. Huh? 
Not expect somebody else to intervene all the time and be the intermediary. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. How many hear what I'm saying? (laughs) So ask yourself, where am I in spiritual growth? Am I growing spiritually? Am I moving forward? Or has something stymied me? Real quickly, as we get into this series, there are three phases in the Bible to spiritual growth. Babyhood. Everybody say babyhood. Babyhood, there's lots of dependence, few habits. Childhood, exploring independence and forming habits. And then there's adulthood where a person is independent spiritually, dependent on Jesus, of course, but but standing in their own two spiritual feet with well-formed habits. Now, we're going to get into the thick of this as we get. So you bring your friends and bring you and you come on. How many know it's possible, as I conclude, it's possible, listen, to stop growing spiritually and get stuck? How many hear me? And you know, as a pastor, sadly, I have to say, over the years, I've seen a lot of stuck people. And here's the sad malady of today. Now we have the itching ear syndrome in churches in America where, where you know, um, the pastor, the ministers, not everybody. We have some great pastors, great ministers. But sometimes people will share things that are exciting, tantalizing, but void of deeper spiritual truth. And you know what? It stunts and hinders spiritual growth. And they do it so the crowd will be big. Well, there's nothing wrong with a big crowd and nothing wrong with a small crowd. What, what is wrong is, is if we don't grow. How many hear me? So it's possible to stop growing spiritually and get stuck making no pro- progress. Now, this is challenging, but listen to Hebrews chapter 5. The writer of the book of Hebrews, it could have been the Apostle Paul. Scholars really don't know. And he says here, uh, God's word translation says, we have a lot to explain about this, but since you have become too lazy to pay attention, explaining it to you is hard. He says here, there are people who ought to be listening ought to be growing, but they're too lazy to hear. And you know what's happening in the 21st century? We're becoming, as a culture, too lazy to hear. Because while I'm talking, you're looking at the phone. And and you're thinking about what's going on, always preoccupied. And instead of deeper thinking, we let somebody else think for us all the time. And then when you come to a meeting like this, you know, uh, listen, I write a blog every day, most days. I didn't write it yesterday on purpose. But most days I write a blog about five to 700, 800 words. And you know what I have to do? I have to make short paragraphs, short little snippets, and then it can't be too long because our culture's dumbed down. They're so accustomed to being distracted that they can't hear much at a time. Go look at any magazine. You know what you find? A little snippet, 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 snippet. Come to church, got a little snippet, 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 snippet. And you know what? We've become too lazy to hear. And as he decried this, he said, for though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone. If Let me just read New Living Translation. There's much more I would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you've become spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long. He's kind of spanking them. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. These people were years old in the Lord, y'all. They knew better. He was kind of giving them a spiritual spanking. He said, you need to do away with the bottle. You should be eating a piece of steak, but you can't even chew it yet because you haven't developed your spiritual teeth. He said... 
Um, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant, doesn't know how to do what's right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. There's a lot of believers today who should be farther along spiritually than they are, but they got distracted by other things. In fact, Jesus said it in Mark chapter 4. He said that the distractions of the age the uh, deceitfulness of money and the desire for other things. He said it actually can enter in and it can choke the word of God. You know what I found? You know what I've seen in the 21st century with all our gadgetry that's supposed to give us more time? It consumes our time. And I see it hindering us in a big way spiritually. Listen, you need time where you can get with God where you can think deeply, that's called meditation. It's not some mantra from some Eastern metaphysical person. Meditation is revolving the Word of God over and over on the inside and thinking about who you are in Jesus and thinking about God and what the Word says about Him. You should take time every day to meditate the Word. Cut your contraptions off. Listen to God. Don't be a person that's dull of hearing. Listen, it's sad to me when I have a person see me and they've, they've known the Lord five years, ten years, and they have problems as they should have dealt with years ago, but they've never been willing to address them personally. Why? Because they've become dull of hearing. Don't be that. How many want to grow? How many want to develop? How many want to be better? Well, you keep coming. We're going to talk about how to go there. We come back next time. We're going to talk about that. We'll say how far we get. Babyhood, childhood, adulthood. And then we're going to talk about things that will spawn spiritual growth and things that will literally hinder spiritual growth. Uh, just think about a year from now. And I've said this so many times. I double dog dare you. Come here at and give Jesus two years. If you'll come Sunday morning, a lot of you don't even come Wednesday night. That's, do you think I pray and study for nothing? And we got people in our church that would rather watch TV or go to a movie than come to church. You know what that tells me? Something's wrong with your spiritual life. That's tough, isn't it? Now churches don't even have Wednesday night. You know why I do? Because our children are missing out. Our children need God. Now our children are so caught up in extracurriculars that God's a, a, a past event. God's a side event and is not the main thing. When they grow up, they won't care about God. So we have Wednesday night for the kids, for the youth. And you know what? For us adults too. How about that? Because we need the Word.